Hi, this is Funky District, and you're listening to Behind the Decks. And thanks for joining me for another helping of Behind the Decks, a music event podcast series hosted by me, Freddie Cocker. Each pod, I check in with DJs and producers from the UK and beyond, discussing their musical journeys, their artistry, and most importantly, the person behind the decks. My special guest this week is a DJ and producer at the start of his music journey comparatively, but one I connected with through us both being absolute 19.5 out of 10 music nerds. His name is Callum, or as he is otherwise known, DJ BOV. In this episode, we discuss Callum's DJing journey, carving out his own identity as a producer, coming out of your shell, and the importance of pursuing what you love. We also talk a little bit about resilience and perseverance as well. Get yourself comfy and have a listen as I go Behind the Decks with DJ BOV. Callum, welcome to Behind the Decks, mate. Thanks so much for coming on and letting me check in with you. We've been playing this for a while, so we finally got it done. How are you, bro? And how was your Christmas? Oh, mate, you know, it was actually all right considering COVID and stuff. But yeah, it was a pretty chilled one, actually. Went to my dad's. A few um, glasses of wine, got a little bit drunk, but yeah, it was good, it's good. How about you? Yeah, it was all right, mate. I actually uh, had COVID on Christmas Eve, so it was a bit challenging, but yeah, I got through it. I got through it in the end. I was racking my brains as to how we initially connected on Instagram, mate, but all I remember is us going through some ridiculously mad music nerd sesh of just sending each other uh, loads of synthwave <laughs> records, and no one will know what synthwave is for people who listen to this, apart from us two and probably a few other people, but... It's definitely one of the nerdiest music sessions I've had sending someone bangers and vice versa. Do you remember how we did connect? Yeah, I was having a think about it. So there was a song that is a bit of a long story, right? So the old Patuara that was on your podcast, I was, I was trying to find a song from them on SoundCloud. The life of me, I could not find it for the life of me. It was um, Eka, Just a Thing, Patuara remix. And it wasn't on SoundCloud anywhere for some reason. And your podcast came up with them and I must have clicked on it. And then obviously on SoundCloud, you can see like your listeners. So you must have like dropped me a message saying, oh, thanks for the listening and that sort of stuff. And then it's a really nice message. And yeah. And then obviously the synthwave stuff. I don't think anyone, <laughs> uh, I've never had that sort of like connection with someone else about synthwave. Yeah, it was me- mental. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that now. I remember that because obviously big friends of the pod and friends of Vent, Patawawa, that was like an acid sort of house remix they did of that record, wasn't it? And I was gassed off it. Oh, mate, it was such a good tune. Oh, so good. I was just trying to find it for a long, long time. Honestly, I couldn't tell you. It was it was a while about that, actually. But um, oh, such a good tune. We've got a lot to crack on with, mate. So shall we just get started? Let's kick off Behind the Decks, mate, by talking about your journey as DJ BOV. Now, before we do that, just tell me about how your love affair with music began. You know, what were some of your favourite records growing up, music idols, inspirations, and how you first perhaps got into producing and DJing? I understand, like me, you got into music through the mid and late noughties indie scene, right? Yeah, so, yeah, I was into bands. I was into bands. Let's just get out of the way first. Cortinas, Catfish on the Bottom, and... A little bit of DNAs as well, Blossoms, you know, that sort of elk of bands. But then it was just becoming to a thing where I was like really addicted to finding like new bands, new music 
Yeah, and then it was just becoming an obsession, really. And then, obviously, we went to university where we started going out a little bit more. And then, obviously, dance music just became a thing in my life. And, yeah, it was just more discovering that. And then, obviously, there's a whole different world compared to where bands. It's crazy, like, the amount of music that's out there. And so much to discover. I was just like, I need to get my hands on everything. everything and then obviously we're producing and stuff i've always wanted to give it a go why not and yeah here we are today and when it came to your dj name where did you get the inspiration for it and what does bov stand for i've been trying to wrap my brains about this one all right so i'm gonna disappoint you right <laughs> doesn't actually stand for anything <laughs> my nickname is bob this is what the lads have called me for about seven years now since first year of college second year third year and then obviously straight through uni and now as well they still call it me i can't shake it it's an horrible nickname it's my name that the lads give me so um yeah and then obviously with bov just brucing up a little bit i guess <laughs> that's the story to it yeah that's it that's it there's no there's no like abbreviation or anything like that <laughs> When we were chatting off air, I was actually asking what nickname you have so I can call you on the pod. So now I've, I've figured it out. You've just let the story go. So that's that's sick. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> when you were in university and developing your DJing skills, how did you get better? Were there any other DJs you looked to for inspiration and to model your techniques on? And what was your university scene's kind of go-to music vibe? So when I started getting into dance music when I was in university, sort of late sixth form, it was the majestic casual scene. It was Bondax. It was Disclosure. That was my entry point. And there was a lot of stuff like that. What was yours? Oh, jealous. Oh, God. So I went to Ed Chill, which is uh, in Armskirk, right? And Armskirk is not a very big place. It's surrounded by fields have you ever seen the film hot fuzz this is how i describe it so that village is armskirk full of old people and so the nightlife there you either hate it or you like it it's one of them it's a lot of pop tunes you hear like fetty wap drake that sort of thing so that's what i was dealing with at the time so don't really enjoy it especially when you know you like a bit more better stuff really putting it nicely especially when i was at uni as well i was listening to a lot of dennis salter that got me into dance music more it was like a boiler room set he did at ada sick festival by the way and a lot of those tunes was like inspiration for me it's like a lot of house and stuff like art disco that's me down to a t <laughs> you bought your first set of decks in your final year of uni at edge hill can you tell me about the story behind your first dj set as i understand your first few sets were in ormskirk where was it how did it go and did you have any nerves or anxieties before you stepped up yeah we threw a few house parties in ormskirk yeah the first few times oh, i must have dj about two or three times but it was good though because it's different to what you get in arms kicks. So yeah, it was a little bit nervous at like the first set because obviously like when you're first trying out, you got to think of everything, especially like now as a DJ, like it's a lot more things come natural. What track are you going to select? When you're going to queue out? When you're going to mix in the next track? And that was running through my mind a lot when I first DJed as well. So just thinking about everything everything overthinking everything and now but to obviously like just do everything naturally everything just flows like nicely i always ask every dj or producer on behind the decks as well mate about a bad set they've done in their lives or a big mistake they've made for one reason or another if you can remember one can you tell the listeners what happened and most importantly so we can normalize making mistakes what did you learn from it and how did you get better yeah, so it was probably um, one of the sets that I did in Armskirk. Yeah, I remember it quite well, actually. I remember there was this track that, you know, the crowd were like, 
really connected with they were dancing and then i thought oh let's try and overcomplicate things let's drop in a track at a completely just the wrong time it was eric pride's calling me i was bringing in and i was thinking oh this will get a sick reaction if i just drop it in right now and <laughs> mess it up completely everyone was just like stood around and then you went it's one of the worst feelings ever as a DJ when you like you got like the crowd like there in the palm of your hands and then it just all of a sudden it vanishes <laughs> it's like just like that and yeah but we learned from it you gotta let the track just like flow out for a little bit don't overcomplicate things especially when you just be starting out at that time like me yeah just let it flow don't rush things don't overcomplicate things keep it simple definitely you enrolled at a DJ and music production school in Salford after you graduated from Edge Hill. Just tell me a bit about that experience and what you learned from it. It was meant School of Electronic Music in Salford. Really good. I studied the complete DJ course there, which is really good. I met some really good people. Some of the tutors as well were pretty good. There was a guy that was like a full-on just like scratcher who was champion of like different tournaments and stuff. There was another guy who's like really big in our scene called Neil Diablo. Big shout out to him. Yeah, it was just meant because we did that every Wednesday for a few months actually. And then at the end of it, we did like this recorded set which was absolutely like such a big thing for us at that time because obviously like you're gonna get recorded <laughs> it's just like boiler room this but uh, obviously like a VTech version <laughs> to put it nicely but yeah it was such a good experience along this so far fairly short music production journey mate how have you developed your skills as a producer as well you've sent me a couple tracks to have a listen to and put some feedback on were you conscious that you need to learn producing as well as DJing to have multiple strings to your bow and, and give you a better chance of succeeding in the industry as well well you hear it a lot don't you that djs will always say if you want to make it big you gotta start making your own tracks so just with that advice i just thought it'd be really the most handful thing just to get my own stuff out there as well still learning though obviously but yeah it's definitely important i think to get your name out there especially when you're not really made a name for yourself through djing as well just to give yourself a bit more of a pedestal to use definitely and when it comes to producing and djing what impact do they have on your mental health and which one out of producing or djing helps you more with your mental health do you think definitely producing helps me more with mental health because you know if you come home from a long hard day at work producing definitely releases some stress you know you can just zone out to zone in and then you can just go crazy jamming and then just spend like hours and hours and hours just doing that and then just let the world pass by yeah it's so good especially when you're just learning out and it's everything's like oh look at this button look at this look at this yeah yeah it's meant and with djing as well i think there's a lot more anxiety around that especially when you're playing in front of people but that just comes with experience i think that is literally it keep getting out there keep doing gigs under your belt you'll get better through experience that is it you haven't put out too much music so far but you have got some stuff coming when you started producing records, you sent me a synthwave track you made and you've teased a couple of other tracks which are a bit different. Are you conscious of carving out your own musical identity and not falling into one particular genre? Yeah, so in Manchester, right, the big scene at the moment is Tech House. And we used to go to a lot of Tech House events back when Sankey's was open and other stuff like that in Manchester. But I never really 
liked it. <laughs> I just like just going out, being with my friends and that sort of stuff. There were some good sets that I've been to, but the majority of the time it was all saying me, say me, and I, I preferred a bit more housey, a bit more disco-y. That was my vibe. So when it comes to synthwave and producing my own stuff, you kind of consciously think about stuff that's like, oh, I don't really want to sound like the same guy. And you kind of want your own sort of identity with your music and stuff like that. But I think like when you're starting out, I think it's just best just to get as much stuff out as possible and not even think about that. But I've just been overthinking like all my music at the moment. But that just comes with starting out, I think. It's literally just get it out. That's all I can say. I know you've only been DJing and producing for a fairly short time in DJing years, mate. But so far, what have they taught you about yourself, do you think? Definitely say it's taught me that I'm a lot more fearless than I give myself credit for, definitely. Because you're sticking your neck out on the line, especially when you're starting out, like making your first Instagram account, making your Facebook page. It's a big moment and always good when you know we got your like friends that will support you and stuff like that. But it's a big moment, definitely, because, you know, you wonder like what are people are going to think, you know, that sort of stuff. But it's always definitely a big moment in your life, pretty much. But just do it. Don't even think about it. Just do it. I'm always keen on Behind the Decks, Bob, to smash the myth of the superstar DJ or producer. So what are some of the realities that people might not see about the life of a producer? And has it ever impacted on other parts of your life, positively or negatively? There's definitely a lot more work than you probably think, maybe. Yeah, it's just a lot more graft behind it. You can spend a whole day just playing around with just a drum sequence or like a lead for a synth like you've got like a track there and you're thinking oh what can I do for it like what plugin shall I use so many questions to answer but yeah it's definitely something that I'll like in terms of like your mental health and stuff like that it's really good for like relieving stress and you know even just to start of the day I just do like a quick hour or something like that and it wires my brain to focus a little bit more and you know i'm good for the day then it is addicting though i'll tell you that it is addicting when you're starting out it's very addicting especially at the moment yeah just like sneaking a quick hour here and there it's really good and as a final question on this mate for anyone wanting to get into producing or making music or djing what message or advice would you give them from your experience stop what you're doing and just do it just do it Don't overthink things. Don't think about what other people are going to perceive. It's your life. Just do it. Just put it out there. As Charlotte Buff once said, just do it. We've talked DJ BOV. Let's go behind the decks now and talk about your own journey, Callum. So I ask all my guests this question first. Tell me a bit about your early life in Lancashire, Manchester, your childhood, teenage years. And looking back, were there any early mental health experiences during this time you can pinpoint? Who's the Callum we meet here? So growing up, my childhood was rather normal, I guess. My mum and dad gave me a good upbringing, me and my brother. Always like taught us good morals and that sort of stuff. I was a very quiet person back then compared to the person I am now going through school and then obviously going through high school yeah I was a lot again it was the first day of year seven compared to the last day of year 11 two completely different people I was definitely going in with a bit of like a teacher's pet sort of attitude quiet just keep my head down that sort of stuff 
to the last day year 11 you know I've, I've put some really really good friends friends that I'll have for probably the rest of my life and just definitely a lot more of a social butterfly definitely just a lot more confident in myself and mental health stuff that happened I couldn't really recall anything because back then you didn't really recognize mental health in that sort of way I suppose like you don't see it like if you're looking from the outside in, you don't really see it. You just think, oh, anger's anger, sadness is sadness, and that's it. Just going back to what you said about being quite introverted and shy as a kid, mate, when you got to university, how did you come out of your shell a bit more? And maybe who's the Callum we meet here? Yeah, it was, it was a completely different person back then. This is start of university, so you know, it's a big moment. You know, you go into move into halls. How many people is it now? Is it seven other people in our halls? So it was quite daunting. But luckily, one of my best mates moved in with me in the same flat, so I got really lucky with that. But it's always good just to start the conversation as well when everyone's moving in, and then you all just sat in the kitchen. I just go in, hi, how are you? You okay? <laughs> but it, it's good just to start a conversation with that. And yeah, I was a lot more outgoing at this point in my life. And not being annoyingly likable, some people have labelled me as. <laughs> so this is a completely different story to the how I was back in school. Just completely different opposite contrasts. And yeah, I was just a lot more outgoing, just like like going out, meeting new people, just talking to new people on nights out and stuff like that, making friends in the smoking shelter or whatever, on the dance floor or whatever. Just a completely different person. Definitely come out of my shell a lot more, definitely. When you went to Edge Hill, you studied TV and film with your mind very much set on going into the media industry initially when we spoke off air. Can you tell me about this journey and then why it perhaps wasn't the path you wanted to go down and then when you ended up at the school of electronic music yeah so pretty much all the way through school all i wanted to do was go into film when we're looking at what i was going to do for my gcse's we had like these little stands out in the dining area of our school and we we're just going around and then we came up to the media bit and i was like i want to do this and did that at school as my gcse's and then i went to college and i did a b-tech media course and I really enjoyed it. It was so good. Loved doing like everything about it and then went to university to do it. And then the realisation kicked in that this was not for me. I don't know what it was. I think it was more you were set up for the working world in the university, definitely. And at this point, I was just like, just something wasn't right in my head. Just like, this just isn't for me. And there's no point sticking out. So this was second year of uni when I kind of realised this. So I was going to drop out then, there and there. My mum and dad, being the good parents that they were, said, stick it out for a third year, get your degree, get your nice picture, and you get your certificate as well, so that's good. Did that, graduated. Still had a really good social years, if anything, in third year. Moved in with some great lads then. That was when they started DJing. So if I didn't do that, who knows where I'd be now. But in terms of like the, the film course, though, I'd love to do like fun things. Like In college, we did stuff like me and my mate, one of our best friends, we did stop motion about snail Olympics. And that compared to the stuff that we did in university, it was just jarring. Everything was just so dark and depressing and film days would get long. And yeah, it was just horrible. <laughs> everyone, without just sounding like pretentious or anything like that, everyone was up their own. It was a film course. So you're going to get people that are like a lot more... Well, looking down on people and it was just such a horrible working environment 
definitely to learn as well. Definitely to showcase creatively what you like express yourself. It was really difficult at that point. So I just thought, if this is what the working environment's going to be like, then <laughs> see you later. I'm out of it. <laughs> that was it. Despite the fact that you did have that negative experience with your degree, did it teach you a lot about resilience and perseverance and kind of getting through it, getting that achievement and then moving on? Yeah, definitely. Even though I hated it. Don't get me wrong, it wasn't all bad. I lived with some amazing people and I have some really good friends for it and some really good memories as well. But yeah, definitely stick out, especially if it's just a if it was just another year. I know it's university and there's like all expenses that are included in it, but you get a nice picture at the end of it that can go on your wall. So what's not to love about that? <laughs> and you get a certificate as well, which is really good for your CV, actually. If you had like a dropout, pretty much, then it's not going to look great. But you just got to, yeah, persevere. When it comes to the overthinking that you mentioned in the last topic, when it comes to music, has it ever impacted your life outside of music when it comes to overthinking and life in general? And if so, can you tell the listeners about how that manifests itself? Good question, Fred. Probably overthinking right now. <laughs> I suppose it would be like looking for new jobs and stuff as well. That's always something that I find myself overthinking and stuff. You're going through Indeed or whatever, looking at jobs. And then this job title comes up and you think, oh, this looks all right. And then you start reading it and you start thinking, oh, no, no, that sounds horrible. <laughs> I won't do that. I won't do that. But then in reality, it's not even that bad. That sort of thing, I start overthinking and stuff like that as well. And when it comes to your overthinking as well, has it ever impacted your self-confidence or is that something that you've been fairly good at developing and maintaining? I've definitely been a bit more sort of living the moment and not try and think before going into a situation. I just go in head on into anything in life. Definitely that's helped me be a bit more confident as well, being a bit more outspoken as well. Just definitely leaning with your heart a bit more than your head. <laughs> but it helps, definitely. If you could go back and talk to that 11-year-old Callum who might have been struggling a bit with his confidence, what would you say to him knowing what you do now? Everything's going to be sweet. Don't you worry. <laughs> Don't take yourself too seriously, pretty much. Loosen up a little bit and enjoy life. That's what I'd probably tell myself. Our final topic of conversation, Callum, and it's one I try and have with all my special guests, which is a general natter about our mental health. So firstly, and you can include, well, you can definitely include circumstances if you want that we're living in at time of recording, or you can exclude them. How would you say your mental health is at the moment, mate? Oh, shall we include what's going on at the moment? Because it's definitely having an effect. You'd be lying if it wasn't having an effect on your life. It's really tough at at the moment, especially like just trying to be wary of like wearing face masks wherever you go and washing your hands and that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough, especially with like workload as well. You get a lot more work these days as well. And just less enjoyment is like, you can't see your friends. You could do it like this, like talk over whatever, Skype, whatever, phone calls. But that's definitely a good thing. You should definitely reach out a little bit more. You can't really leave the house, leave the house. like I live in a two-bedroom flat. I can't go out and walk around the garden or something like that because I haven't got one. I'm on the fifth floor. It's tough. It's a, it's a little bit stressful at the moment as well, but it's got to be done. All social distancing measures that are in place are in there for a reason and uh, businesses are shut as well which is a bit sad but times are tough and people just gotta in the polite way just deal with it because 
God knows how long this is going to go on for. And if you felt comfortable saying, what mental health issues or conditions, if any, do you live with and how do they affect you in your day-to-day life? I think everyone's got like a little bit of something wrong with them, like where it'd be just a little bit of depression. And that's just through just sitting around and not doing anything. And that's heightened in this period, like with COVID and stuff. Yeah, you're going to be sat around doing nothing, a lot more than usual, obviously. You just got to keep yourself busy at this moment in time. Keep yourself sane, start new hobbies, talk to people over the phone and stuff like that. Just keep things busy, keep things ticking. Yeah, I've learned to sort of deal with it myself through producing. Producing music has definitely made me just focus in my mind on something like new and just learning stuff. That's just helped me out so much. Running as well has helped me a lot as well. Uh, There's this app called Couch to 5K. It's a really good app. It's helped me out so much. Just like building my fitness up, but also just clearing your head. That's one of the main reasons why, because I felt myself just getting a little bit too. Everything was just on top of you and stuff like that. And I was just getting stressed out. And I'm not, I'm not a guy to get stressed out. But recently, everything's just been on top of you. It's a hard time, but it's what it is at this point. So you just got to get out there and do it and go for a run or whatever like that. Clear your head. Meditation always helps as well. What age do you think you were when you first realised that the feelings you were having weren't physical and they were actually in your mind and a product of your mental health? So definitely in school, it was a lot more, you weren't as aware about it, definitely. So, you know, you were sad, that was it. You were sad. Or if you were angry, you were angry. Like there was just no self-control about that. And it was a lot more physical at that point. But then obviously when I went to university, I started meditating a lot more. That's when meditating became... Well, I found it pretty much. And yeah, then you just start thinking about things differently. And you start thinking about controlling yourself mentally through where it would be anxiety. You can pinpoint where you're feeling stress in your body or anxiety and can just release whatever. And it's such a good outlet just to calm and release yourself and focus as well. It's really, really good. Can you tell me the story behind the first time you spoke to someone about your mental health? Who was it with? What impact did it have? And at the time, did it feel like a big moment and a weight had been lifted? Or did it feel quite insignificant and normalised? I wouldn't say it wasn't until recently where my mum got ill recently. And at that time, it was just everything was... Well, I thought I was alone and that sort of stuff. But it was just like... I was upset at the time. And... So my mates were there for me. So I just like put out into like a lads group chat, like saying, I just basically like brought the news to them and they were all there for me. It was a massive weight off my chest. Definitely. Just like having like support around you as well, especially with my friends like that, who were just there for me at all times. It's just really good to have. And I thought it'd be a bit more significant and a bit more like massive point in like my mental health cycle. But it wasn't actually that much of a big deal. Like I just said it to him and then I felt so much better about it. And how do you support friends in your own social group, Cal, who may have mental health issues themselves or may just be going through a poor period of mental health? <laughs> big question. Definitely just reach out to them. So if you're noticing someone that's you know a little bit more quieter than usual, just reach out to them, ask them if they're okay. That's what we do in our friendship circle anyway. Why do you think historically men have struggled to express how they're feeling about their mental health or just feelings in general has society taught us it's not okay for us to show vulnerability or have we as men done it to ourselves do you think 
there's definitely like a is it locker room culture or something like that where like not locker room change room culture or something like that where like lads in like a change room where there was like you know you called out for being like a wuss or whatever like that for speaking up about your mental health and stuff like that there's definitely we've definitely shot ourselves in the foot regarding that sort of stuff there's never been like a full acceptance of people and how they feel not until recently i think there's been like a lot of big movements recently where especially like sports just in the public eye as well there's a lot of people that come out about the mental health which is good because not everyone lives the perfect life so it's good to normalize it and just finally mate what more do you think we have to do to ensure men from all backgrounds feel comfortable and safe in opening up about their mental health issues or their mental health if they want to definitely like speak up about it more and it's good that you know like before i was saying about people like well famous people just speaking up about the mental health as well because it's making everyone human and it's normalizing it it should be the norm it should be how people live especially if they're living with mental illness just open up talk about it speak to your family speak to your friends speak to whoever Well, I think that's all we've got time for on this episode of Behind the Decks. I want to say a big thank you to Callum, a.k.a. DJ BOV, for being my special guest on this episode and letting me go Behind the Decks with him. As always, thank you to everyone who's tuned in. Remember, please, 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 if you've liked what you've heard, give it a share on social media. Tell your friends or work colleagues about it. Share it far and wide. Or please, if you're feeling generous, write us a review on Apple Podcasts. Give it a rating or support our Patreon, which is www.patreon.com slash venthelpuk. That's venthelpuk, spelt V-E-N-T-H-E-L-P-U-K. Stay tuned for the next episode of Behind the Decks. And remember, it's always okay to vent. Bye.